0: Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist, the Lexington Aero Leader, and Kentucky.com. It is Thursday, May the 4th, 2023, and this is our Kentucky Derby handicapping podcast. Ben Roberts of the Aero Leader and Kentucky.com and myself talk about the horses in the race, the favorites, uh, kind of betting strategies, handicapping. We go through as many scenarios as we can think of about Saturday's race at Churchill Downs. So. I'm not going to waste any time. We we covered a lot of angles in this podcast. So I want to get right to it. Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com dot com and myself talking about the about Kentucky Derby one forty nine on Saturday at Churchill Downs. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast, Ben Roberts. How's it going, Ben? Good, John. How are you? Are you ready for the Derby, Ben?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I am ready for the Derby. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting storylines this year, and um. Uh, most of my work is out of the way. I still got a couple things to work on here as we talk Thursday morning. But yeah, uh, hopefully, I, I know the weather looked really pretty a couple days ago. And uh, now, at least last time I looked, it was about a 50% chance of rain. So I, I hope that doesn't happen. But otherwise, yeah,
0: looking well, forward to it. I, I'm going to say there's still a 50% chance of rain because I posted how the horses. <laughs> wet, on wet and muddy tracks, but when I looked just a little bit ago, they've now taken that off, at least for Lexington. I, I didn't look at Louisville. I need to look at Louisville. So who knows? I don't know. I was talking with somebody. I was at the track yesterday. I was talking to somebody there who claimed that uh, if you watch the Louisville TV stations, they will go uh, back and forth like 20 times between now and Saturday about whether it's going to rain or not <laughs> on a dirty day. Let's start with this. What about the field as a whole? Um I saw a couple people really disparaging the field saying this is a weak field there's these horses are all flawed what what do you think of the field as a whole
1: Yeah I think as a whole I would I would say it's relatively weak um Wow why would you and, say that What what makes it well, a weak Well I just no uh, Fortes obviously a deserving favorite but especially coming off the way he ran in the Florida Derby it it was it certainly wasn't a dominant performance by any stretch. Um, you know the buyer numbers across the board compared to past derbies they're fine, but they're not. You know they're not they're not popping off the page. Uh, I, I certainly understand where people are saying that that there's a knock on every horse in this field. I mean Angel of Empire I think his Arkansas Derby was one of the most impressive, but um, you know we. we we still really don't know what we have with that horse. I don't think tap it. Trice is a horse that once he gets moving, looks really, really impressive, but I think it takes him a long time to get moving. Uh, And he, you know, he's, I don't know if that's his size or just his running style or what, but, but he kind of has a running style that I'm afraid might get him in a lot of trouble in a 20 horse field. Uh, Kings Barnes is impressive, but he's only raced three times. Dermasota Gake is impressive, but he, you know, all all the stats that go behind, uh, you know, what it takes to travel over here um, and, and do well on Derby Day. Uh, two Phil's has the biggest buyer number, he, but he rated on synthetics, and even his connections are, are saying, you know, maybe it's a fluke, maybe it's not. If it's not, we got a chance, but if it is, it is. You know, it, you just go down the list, and I think there's a knock on everybody. And to a certain extent, that's true of every Derby year, but you, you know, there aren't. Um, I don't remember who said it yesterday. It might have been uh, it, it might have been two fellows trainer actually, uh, Larry Ravelli, but um, I think it was him. He said, you know, there's no justify, there's no American Pharaoh in this field and, and I think that's the right way to put it. You know there's not a California Crow. There's not even an epicenter that that you just look at it and say like this could, you know has a really good shot at being a you know a really really, really good horse. I think there's certainly potential, uh for a few horses in this field to to reach that level but uh, we we haven't seen it yet i don't think
0: okay wait you you published your the posted it's online now kentucky.com your betting guide to the derby where you go over each one of the horses uh we're not going to go over each one of the horses on this podcast so people be sure and check out uh band's betting guide you also put up the media picks where we picked uh uh, each member picked who they thought would finish first, second, and third, and a uh, comment from each one about their thinking. You picked Derma, Derma Sodagake, uh, a Japanese horse has never won the Derby. A UAE winner has never won the Derby. So, Ben, defend yourself. Why did you pick, Why did you pick Derma? <laughs> yeah. UAE
1: runner has never finished better than fifth in the Derby, and uh, you know, going back more than twenty years. And I, I mean, we. Uh, you know, we used to do the video kind of kind of breaking everything down, and we did do something like that last week. So uh, I'd encourage people to check that out, um, kind of looking at the horses in the field. But if you remember a few years ago with Mendelssohn, you know, Mendelssohn came over here. He was probably the biggest name uh, to, to try to make that trip and, and come over here and, and win the Derby. And I said then that I wasn't going to bet him I'd, until somebody came over and did it or at least, you know, finished in the money, hit the board. Um, I wasn't going to take a chance on one of those horses, but Derma, I just think that UAE Derby, um, was so impressive. Uh, he, he did it from the lead, but his running style, he doesn't have to do it from the lead. I don't think he'll be on the lead Saturday. I think he'll be close to it. Uh, th- that's where I'd like to see him is, is maybe, you know, kind of rating, right. You know, a, a couple links off the lead, depending on what the pace looks like. Um, but I, I just think, kind of going back to the argument that everybody in this field is flawed, uh, you maybe gravitate toward the horse that looks like it really could be a super horse. Um, And if you're going to take a chance, I I just think everything kind of, it's kind of a perfect storm of of taking a chance on a horse like this. If there wasn't, you know, if there was an epicenter in this field, I, I would be picking up a center. I wouldn't be, I, I probably wouldn't be taking the chance with Therma. If there was a Justifier, a Pharaoh, or a California Chrome, somebody that I felt really strongly about um, on the American side of things, I would lean toward that horse and give that horse the benefit of the doubt over all of the mystery and all of the circumstances that, that go along with, with making the trip Derma's trying to make here. Uh, but I don't have that horse. Angel of Empire is really the only other horse that I like anywhere close to derma's level, as far as what I've seen on video of these races and, and then kind of reading more of the underlying numbers around it. Um, so, you know, in a year where I don't feel that strongly about anybody, I'm, I'm taking the chance on the horse. I think I uh, got a shot to be, uh, head and shoulders above this field. And, you know, we talked about it last week in that video, the, just kind of the, the Japanese, uh, uh, overtaking of the sport, and not an overtaking, but they've just really, um, uh, you know, done well outside of Japan in, in a lot of these big races. Uh, on UAE Derby Day, a, a Japanese horse won the Dubai World Cup. Uh, in the UAE Derby, they finished one, two, three, four. There were five Japanese horses in the in a very big field, and they finished one, two, three, four in the race. A couple years ago, uh, twenty one Breeders' Cup two japanese horses one and then one thing that I, I i really look at is the way mandarin hero came over and ran in the Santa anita derby um you know that's a horse that in japan was thought to be a peg or two below derma comes over and you could make the argument that ran the most impressive race of anybody there uh, almost knocked off practical move if the race was a little longer the race was a mile and a quarter. Maybe, maybe he would have. And then he's a horse that, if he somehow draws into the Derby, I would certainly uh, be taking a long look at. But that also kind of, kind of heightened my thinking of, of Derma going into Saturday.
0: Okay, Forte's the favorite. I picked him to win. You picked him third. Uh, a lot of people. Forte's won. You know, we won the. Uh, British Futurity at Keeneland last year, when they won the British Cup Juvenile at Keeneland last year, won the, won the Fountain of Youth and the Florida Derby down at Gulfstream this year. Uh, but, yep, uh, a lot of people, even people I've seen where a lot of people are saying, well, they think Forte's the best horse in the race, but that he's not going to win the race. Um, you picked him to finish third. I picked him to win because just I think he's the best horse in the race. Uh, why did you pick him third? Why do, why do you think that he will uh, he won't win this Kentucky Derby.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's maybe two arguments with him. Obviously, he's he's very impressive, and I mean, I picked him third, so I still think very highly of him. Uh, I think the two arguments with him are, um, you know, one, uh, if you're siding with him, yeah, he's the best, maybe he's the best horse in the field, and and maybe you know that Fountain of Youth two races back, I would put that in probably my top five of of uh, of most impressive prep performances. This spring, uh, but then he comes back and it wasn't just, you know, that he didn't blow away the Florida Derby field or it was the way he ran the race. I mean, it, it looked almost like he was disinterested um, that I mean, he was he was fifth, I think, of the eighth pole still. And and when Mage w- made Mage a, ho- a horse who only had two previous career starts makes his move around the far turn, he just blows right by Forte. And right there, I would have liked to have seen Forte just just absolutely run with him and and make that outside move. And then then when going away, uh, it it took him a while. It took him a while to get going. Um, Mage had the lead pretty deep into the stretch. And then when Forte finally turned it on, he just ran right right by everybody um, and, and won by about a length. Uh, and I don't even think Mage uh, knew, knew he was coming. I, you know, you watch back and look at the race and, and kind of look at the, the body language of both of those horses. I, I don't know. that I, I think Mage maybe thought he had the had the race won at that point. Um, so, you know, the argument is either that he can do that whenever he wants to. He can turn it on and, and win. And maybe that's true. And maybe that happens in that Churchill stretch Saturday. Or you know, maybe he's leveling out a little bit, and we've seen that a lot with these two-year-old champions. They, not necessarily that they peak at that Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but um, sometimes they do, and sometimes uh, that's kind of closer to, to the peak than where you want them to be if you're looking to win the Kentucky Derby, which obviously all these these trainers are looking to do. So, uh, you know, if he were 8-1, to one, yeah, maybe I'd, I'd, I'd bet more on him, but at three to one on the morning line, which is about I, I think it'll probably be about four to one. Maybe Saturday, um, that's just a little too short for a horse that I'm I'm not that in love with, or at least not as in love with as, as I have been other previous Derby favorites.
0: One of the things I've heard a knock on Forte, not 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 knock on Forte, but that uh, one of the reasons why people are not picking him to win necessarily. And when I did, I talked to the uh, the pod, the Pick Three pod guys, uh, buddies of mine, uh, earlier this week we did a podcast with them. They were dubious of the pace scenario we'll set up for sure. Forte. Like in the last, uh, I think one of them quoted that in the last twenty years, the only horse who's had a similar running style to Forte to win the Derby was Orb, and there just sure. doesn't seem to be. A, he's a, a come-off-the-pace horse, Forte, and there's not going to be enough speed early speed in this race to set up for him do you is that another problem is that something you can see as a problem for forte
1: yeah yeah i mean obviously rich strike came from. you know it's possible to come from the back but that that is something and in a 20 horse field that's that's another reason why i'm looking at some others i think um i say that picking angel of empire who i think is going to run kind of a similar race from from at least a little farther back but with derma He's a horse that I think is going to break well, get in good position, and take it from there. King's Barnes is one that I'm really interested in, even though he's only raced three times and didn't race it two, just because you go back and look at all three of his races, and he breaks about as well as, as I mean, he breaks better than anybody in this field, I think, and, and about as well as you, you could hope that a horse with that little experience uh, would go. And then he, and King's Barnes also has a, a, a pretty good uh, cruising speed, so you know, in the Derby, I don't. I'm not necessarily looking for pace setters, but I'm looking for horses like that who get out of the gate early, stay out of that trouble that happens in the first, you know, 50 yards or so, and then going into that first turn and just get in a clear position and run your race. And then you see, you find out then whether they can get the mile and a quarter or not. Um, obviously, you don't want a horse like Derma or Kings Barnes chasing somebody loose on the lead, going. You know, twenty-two seconds in the first uh, the first quarter or something like that. But you want them out there. You want them clear of what's going on behind them because there is going to be a lot of jostling back there. There's going to be uh, some commotion both approaching that first turn and then into the first turn. You want to stay out of that. Um, I think Forte is going to be in the thick of that. Angel of Empire is going to be in the thick of that. Tappet Trice is probably going to be in the thick of that. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm going to be looking for maybe a couple others who who I think might be clear of that and then. You know, we'll see how good they are.
0: Do you think? Well, you sound like Brad Cox, as Brad said after the draw. Uh, you know, the uh, the trainer of Angel of Empire, but he also trains Hit Show in verifying who drew the dreaded one and two spots down by the rail. And Brad was trying to tell us that doesn't matter. That's overrated. What matters is how they come out of the break. They got to hit the ground running and get in good position. But the main thing is they got to hit the ground. They got to hit it running as soon as those gates open. Would you? Is he just saying that because he got the one? In in fact, we asked him. Does that mean that Hitchell verifying maybe more likely to try to be get to the lead earlier than you would normally want them to get the lead, or they would normally uh, try to get the lead? And he said maybe. He didn't really answer that question. What what do you think about that? And if that happens, is that going to if that are there going to be some horses that try to go to the lead who don't normally do that? And will that mess with the pace scenario?
1: I, I, you know, I think we've seen that in past years, uh, and and I think especially some of these long shots, I think it behooves them to take a chance. Uh, reincarnates one um, yeah. that I'll be interested to see <laughs> with <what> he does. <laughs> What's
0: that with Velasquez? Well,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, we we saw John Velasquez do that on Medina Spirit. Um, obviously, ultimately. DQ'd, but Medina Spirit uh, a couple years ago, he took him right out to the lead and and <laughs> stole the race out front and reincarnates another horse. Uh, he didn't do it his past two races, uh, a couple back in the Rebel on, on a on a sloppy track. He just he just didn't break very well and got shuffled early and didn't really have a chance to go from the lead. But his previous races before that, he liked to be on the lead and he won two on the lead. Um, and then in the uh, Arkansas Derby, uh, he also he was he was there, but he he didn't set the pace. So a horse like that, I mean, a 50 to one shot, um, you got Johnny V on him. I if it's me, uh, you know, I don't know the horse. I'm not in the barn with him every day, but. I think your best chance is to send him and hope you get the mile and a quarter and, and hope he doesn't run 21 seconds in the first quarter. Uh, I, I think that's the best strategy with a horse like that. Confidence game is another one that I'll be interested to see not only what their strategy is, but how that horse acts. He, he hasn't raced since February 25th. That, that's a 10-week layoff. That would be unprecedented uh, for the for at least modern times in the in the Kentucky Derby to to win off a layoff like that, you got to think, and just from like looking at his workouts and, and hearing about what's going on with the, the way he looks on the Churchill Downs track over the last couple of weeks, you got to think he's, he's rearing to go. He, he's ready to get out right. there and run. And so, um, you know, he's another one that uh, he, he did win one race on the lead, um, you know, several months ago, actually, I, I believe that was the Churchill Downs. Uh, but he's another one that, uh, I would be interested to see what he does early. And then you've got Kings Barnes, um, who, you know, I think people look back at that Louisiana Derby thinking, oh, this is the speed horse. He's not. Uh, those were, first of all, very slow fractions. He, he, he uh, won Gate to Wire with in that race. But his other races, um, he's just a horse who breaks really, really well and goes out there. And if he's going to be on the lead, that's fine. If he's not, that's fine, too. Um, so that you know, that's a horse that I think if he gets out there and sets kind of moderate fractions, but is clear of everybody, I could see him uh, going wire to wire uh, on Saturday. And and then you know, in that situation, I don't think the lightly raced angle is that big of a deal because a lot of that is kind of the dealing with adversity, seeing stuff you've never seen before. And if you're running out front at at, at decent fractions. Uh, it's your race from there. So you, you kind of control it, but yeah, I mean, you know, and then there's long shots like Jace's road and some others that, you know, maybe they just send them and, and burn them and, and hope that, uh, hope hope they can hold on at the end. Um, but yeah, with, uh, that's another angle of this race. That's, that's so interesting is there is really no clear pace setter like we've seen in in past Derby years. And it's going to be, it's going to be really intriguing to, to see who goes out there early. And, and what fractions, they said.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I want to talk about a couple of, of other favorites and then some long shots when we come right back with Ben Roberts of The Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, Ben, what about Tappa Trice? Now, ta- reading your media picks, Tappa Trice is a popular choice. The Bluegrass winner, uh, Big Gray Colt, uh, $1.3 million yearling bought by Mandy Pope uh, from Gainesway, and then Gainesway bought back into uh to Tappet Trice. He's by Tappet. I know Tappet's never uh, has not produced a Derby winner, but he's produced winners in just about everything else. What, what about Tappet Trice?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I like him and obviously the, the folks we asked, I think we got about twenty-six or twenty-seven picks, and I think he accounted for about a, a third of the win picks. He was the he was the most picked horse to win in our our media expert predictions over Forte and over Angel of Empire. Um, and I think a lot of that is not only what he's done to this point, but also the way he's been training at Churchill Downs. Uh, you know, you know, I, I know a lot of people I've talked to have been, um, you know, very impressed with the way he's looked in the mornings out there over the past couple of weeks. Uh, from my angle, I, you know, you can't bet every favorite. You know, you put together these trifectas and everything. You gotta, you gotta get some long shots in there, uh, which means you got to toss some favorites. And from my angle, he's going to be one of the ones that I toss just because if you go back and look at all of his races, when he gets up to speed, he is just uh, like a cannonball rolling downhill. I mean, he, uh, you give him space to run uh, and room to run, and he's, he's, he's as fast as anybody in this field, but he's, he's not nimble. He's not, uh, he needs that space, um, and he, he's also one who doesn't break that well. So you know, from that five spot, which is you know, you know, pretty inside, um, I'm afraid that he's going to break a little slowly, get some guys coming over on him, get a little in front of him, and just get boxed in from the beginning, and be you know, Luis Sia is going to be looking for room to run, and it's just going to stall his progress. And you know, maybe he can tuck in behind somebody make a, make a wide move into the stretch and, and find room to run there. But I think whoever wins this race is going to, I mean, obviously I think it's safe to say whoever wins this race is going to run the best race of their career. Uh, it's going to take a, a career best in this field to, to do it. Um, and I think there's just some strikes against him, the circumstances of a 20 horse field and the way he runs. Um, the Belmont, I think sets up perfect for a horse like that, uh, especially with the smaller field and, and, uh, the way he's bred, obviously, uh, just, just screams Belmont to me. I think he's a horse that we're going to be talking about and hearing about for, uh, you know, the rest of the year, um, and and maybe even into a four-year-old season, depending on what they want to do with him after this year, just very impressed, but, but I don't think this is the best spot for him.
0: The other horse I want to talk about who's, uh, I, I'm going to count him among the favorites because he's 10 to 1, is the Santa Anita Derby winner Practical Move. You talked about the race that uh, Mandarin Hero ran in Santa Anita, but Practical Move was the winner. Uh, Tim Yachtin, the trainer, who's, uh, it's not a horse that Baffert switched over to Yachtin at the last minute. What do, what do, uh, Tim's had him for a while. What do, what do, you, what do you think of him?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm really intrigued by him. He, you know, he's the only horse in this field, the only horse in the country, I believe, or three-year-old in the country with, with two triple-digit buyers. They were both a hundred, so just barely into the triple digits, but triple digits. Uh, uh, you know, over over his last couple races. Um, I I liked him going into the Santa Anita Derby. Obviously, he won the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, but I was a little more impressed with Skinner and Mandarin Hero, uh, coming from a little farther back, and the way they finished. And he's another one that you can kind of like go back and forth. Uh, on one hand, he, he he wins the races. He's won his last three races, all all graded stakes races. Uh, Santa need obviously a Grade One, so he does what he needs to do to win. Um, on the other hand, while his past two races, the brakes haven't been the smoothest. He's recovered very, very quickly, and and I think has just gotten perfect trips the last two races. So he's not gonna he's not gonna get a perfect trip Saturday. Uh, he's not one of those who is going. He's going to be fairly close to the lead, I would imagine, but he's not going to be on the lead. Um, I think he's going to have to deal with some traffic. He's going to have to deal with something he hasn't dealt with in a while. Um, and he's never raced in a field of more than ten horses. Uh, the last two have been eight and nine and the two before that he were were five horse field. So this is gonna be a lot different for him on Saturday. The other is the distance. Um, you know, practical joke. Uh, it's his sire, obviously a very good horse. Um I, but I don't I'm not sure about the mile and a quarter for him. The Santa Anita, the way that race ended, gave me a little more pause too on the mile and a quarter. His damn sire is a fleet alex, which is one of my favorite horses in the last 20 years and obviously won the preakness and the belmont um and the preakness run was about as impressive as uh, as, as <laughs> you know one of the most impressive races we've seen in a long time um so you know he's another one that you kind of go either way i'm probably gonna leave him out of a lot of stuff just because again you can't bet on all the favorites and i want to get some long shots in there
0: yeah, Fleet Alex is one of those horses, when they talk about a horse, well, the you know, long stretch between triple crown winners. You, a Fleet Alex is one of those horses, I think, that with a break or two in the derby could have been a triple crown winner. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think the same thing a Point Given going all the way back. But uh, anyway, okay, well, let's, you're, you're going to um, – uh, uh, late, either later today or sometime you're going to you're going to post a story about long shots and so forth. So I don't want to steal all your thunder. I want people to look for that story. But are there other other horses out there who have pretty good odds uh, that you're going to keep an eye on one, I, one in particular? Because I've heard a lot of people over at Churchill, and then a couple other people I'm talking to say um people are discounting two fields because he ran on the synthetic, he ran in the Jeff Ruby, but he's he's a horse that you know he that think he's better than what people are giving him credit for. Do you subscribe to that?
1: Um I'm I'm not gonna bet him Saturday, but I'm not gonna, <laughs> so I'm not don't gonna subscribe argue with, to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not gonna argue with anybody who does though and I think you can say that for a lot of the horses um you know in in this field Uh, With two fills, yeah, he he ran the he ran the one on one buyer in the Jeff Ruby. It was over the synthetics. Uh, You know, Animal Kingdom, I believe, is the last one to win the Jeff Ruby and come back and win the Derby. Although, you know, Rich Strike did run in the race last year, uh, lost by about five or six lengths, but but that was his final prep um, before the Kentucky Derby. You know. It, that's another one of those where, you know, is, was that a synthetic fluke? Obviously he's a good horse. So nobody's saying he's not a good horse, but this is the Kentucky Derby. We're talking about Is it a synthetic <laughs> fluke or is he moving in the right direction and, and has another one like that in him? Because I, I think a one oh one buyer probably wins on Saturday. Um, or at least it puts you right there in, in the, in the picture at the end. Um, but you know, two races back angel of empire and sun thunder, uh, beat him at the Risen Star at, at Fairgrounds. Um, he did finish ahead of Confidence Game, another long shot. Uh, the race before that at Fairgrounds. Um, you know, I I wasn't I wasn't that visually impressed with his uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes win. Um, you know, when I saw the the number come back the way it did, I was a little surprised. Just kind of looking at it and trying to match the eyeballs with the with the numbers I'm seeing on the screen. Uh, so yeah, I'm. He's he's certainly he's not in my my top tier, and, and um, I'll be interested to see his odds though. I was a little twelve to one seemed a little short to me for the morning line, and I wonder if he'll move up from that.
0: So who else do you want to talk about? Who's not getting enough love?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if they're not getting enough love. I, as far as the twenty to one and, and longer crowd, Skinner is 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 probably my favorite of of that mix um again the way he you know he's one who's going to be coming from the back which in the Kentucky Derby is always uh, you know can get you into a lot of trouble um you know trying to maneuver what goes on back there but the way he closed in the Santa Anita Derby I was really impressed with uh Curlin it's his sire, you know, I think he's got a mile and a quarter in him. Uh, the the jockey change is an intriguing thing. Uh, Victor Espinosa has been on the last five races, and the way John Sheriffs was talking about it, 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 was a, it wasn't his decision necessarily. It was the owner' decision to put Juan Hernandez on there, who just won the Santa, Santa Anita Park uh, jockey uh, title uh, earlier this year. Um, so I'll be interested to see if that means a change in tactics. I wouldn't think it would be just because he's, he's kind of settled into the way he runs. I feel like, but um, he's definitely going to be in, uh, in my, my trifectas. Uh, Rocket can is another one who, the more I've looked at the races, the more I've thought about it over the last couple of weeks. I'm, I'm really intrigued with as a possible long shot, obviously, Bill Mott, Hall of Famer, is his trainer. Into Mischief, uh, four-time leading sire, is his sire. Tappet is his damn sire. Uh, So there's a lot going on there that that makes you think uh, he can get the mile and a quarter. Um, Mott's adding blinkers uh, to him um, after, you know, he won the Holy Bull. I thought that was a really impressive race. Forte was not in that one. He set that one out um, and then comes back, and, and Forte, Clearly, the better horse when those two matched up in the Fountain of Youth. Uh, Rocket can, leaves Florida, goes to Arkansas, actually is the favorite in the Arkansas Derby, finishes fourth, but I didn't think it was that bad a run, uh, actually, you know, looking at, at the race. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think he's going to win Saturday, but if you're looking for longer shots to kind of spice up a, a trifecta payout, uh, he's one that, that I'm definitely going to be playing.
0: Okay, one that I like I didn't put it in my top three, and and te- and you tell me where I'm wrong here is verifying. He finished second in the Bluegrass. He ran a 97 in an uh and an optional claiming race at uh, at Oakline. Then he was he was fourth in the Rebel, but that was on a sloppy track. So yeah. if we do get rain on Saturday, he's probably one uh, you probably one you'd be dubious about. But then he came back and ran a 99 in the Bluegrass. I don't like the number two post position, but I I feel like that he's a Talented horse he's got Brad Cox as his trainer Why, where am i wrong about verifying
1: no i i he's one that i also don't think i'm going to be playing but i don't think you're wrong at all and i actually don't mind that number 2 post for him because i think it kind of forces their hand a little bit to take him out early and i right. think that'd be good for him um and i am not necessarily saying he's going to be you know first at the first call or first at the half mile or anything but Break well, get him out early. Uh, he's got Tyler Gaffleon, who obviously knows Churchill Downs well, um, uh, Is it, his jockey. Uh, he, he was his jockey uh, for the first time in the Bluegrass, so this will be his second time on the horse. Um, I, I think, I don't know that's necessarily a good post position, but I don't think it's a bad one just because I think it, it basically tells them okay, go and see what happens and, and try to get that good spot going into the to the first turn, um, get some inside position. I don't think he's, I, I don't see him as a horse that other horses are going to kind of come over and, and press him into the rail or put him in a tough spot early. Cause I think he does have enough early speed to kind of maneuver that and, and get into a good position. Um, you know, my knock on him, I think would be that he got, I thought an absolutely perfect trip in the bluegrass stakes and still lost to Trice, yeah. who I've said is a horse that I, that I won't be playing Saturday. But the other side of that is, if Tappetrice isn't in that race, um, you're looking at verifying winning by about six, winning the Bluegrass Stakes by about six lengths at a 99 buyer, and you're probably talking about him instead of 15 to one on the morning line. You're probably talking about him at, at six or eight to one. Um, so you know that's something to keep in mind too when. When, uh, you know, we're looking at these odds and looking at the way horses are perceived going into this race. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, he's, he's one I'm probably not going to be playing a whole lot Saturday, but you, you've got to you've got to toss some. And I'm, he's he's one I'm not going to argue with anybody about that that, that likes him.
0: Okay, well, that brings me to my final question. Something I asked the, the pick three guys the other day. Well, what is your betting strategy going into the Derby? Are you big on exotics? Do you try to play it pretty straight? Are you trying for a big payday, or are you just is is the, is the Derby harder to bet than other races? What's your strategy going into the, the betting strategy going into the Derby?
1: Uh, usually, my betting strategy is a bet bet a. Pretty big win ticket, the the biggest win ticket I'll bet of the year on any uh, on any races, just because it's Derby Day and it's it's fun and, and you kind of save up for it right. to, to to bet a little on this day, um or bet a little more on this day I should say, uh and then and yeah and then playing the exotics usually I uh, I pick about five horses to box in an exacta uh, and I try to get about three of the you know more of the top tier horses that I like and throw a couple long shots. In there, um, which I think this year will be Skinner and and Rocket Can. And then I usually key, uh, you know, a single horse on top of a trifecta, which in this case will be Dermasota Gake, and pick about six horses to uh, to box in those next two spots behind him, which on a $1 ticket would be a a $30 bet. Um, And, you know, there too also, you know, I'll have Forte in there. I'll have Angel of Empire in there. I'll have Rocket Cannon Skinner in there, uh, and then Kings Barnes and Mage, I think, are the other two I like. I haven't really talked about Mage, but he's another one that, um, you know, on a horse and in, in a field with horses that I think we kind of know some of their limitations and and kind of know the ceilings of some of these horses. He's one that we clearly haven't seen a ceiling yet. He, he's another Love like, Kings Barnes. It's only raced three times. Didn't race it two. Uh, so if you're looking for a horse to kind of, kind of freak and make a, make a much bigger jump, I think he fits that description could also finish 14th. Uh, we've seen that with, with, with horses uh, coming in with that little, uh, you know, w- with that high upside, but that little experience into this race, but he's one I'm willing to take a chance on. And then, you know, kind of, kind of play around with, with maybe some, some cheaper super effect uh. You know, maybe i uh, uh, I'll probably play Angel of Empire because I do like him. On top of some uh, some smaller bets, maybe a little win bet on him too. Um, and then you know I haven't uh, I haven't handicapped it all yet. I hope to do that tonight. But the races before the Derby, I, you know, a lot of Grade Ones, a lot of really interesting fields, big fields. Um, you know, if you're gonna play the pick threes, pick fours, pick five uh pick six this is this is a good day to do it because you got a lot of variety you you can find i think a lot of value in some of those undercard races um and we're talking about again horses that we've seen a lot of and if you sit down and study it uh there's there's a lot to go on and 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 uh you know a lot a lot to sort through and and this is just a it, – it's it, its kind of like a Breeders' Cup day. It's a—it's a, just an overall fun handicapping day where you have a lot of quality horses out there uh, on the same card, which you, you don't see a whole lot throughout the year.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is kind of like a Breeders' Cup day because you got a lot of people uh, – we were talking with Pletcher the other day, and people were asking uh, – uh, some of the you know the racing form and blood horse guys were asking Pletcher about a, two or three other horses, and he was talking about oh they're going to they're going to run in the under they're going to run in this they're going to run in that they're they're not going to run in the Derby but they're going to run in other races on uh, on Derby Day. Uh, ben, I know you've done a ton of stuff leading up to the Derby. We talked about the your betting uh the uh, betting str- well not strategy but with your look uh, look at all twenty horses people should look for that uh, the media picks as well well uh what else should they be looking for that's already up on kentucky.com or could be coming on kentucky.com before the race on saturday
1: yeah earlier this week uh i posted um kind of the the current status there's 20 living kentucky derby winners uh and kind of the current status where those horses are what they're doing yeah. a lot obviously still at stud some have been pensioned um a lot in central kentucky different horse farms, the horse park, uh, you know, different places. So just kind of a rundown. I I know people who, uh, you know, follow, follow just for the Derby or follow the sport. Always like to look back and kind of think about the memories that those horses brought throughout the years and and what they're doing now. And, and great that there's, you know, there's still 20 of those horses out there. And a, a lot of those guys living to, uh, living to, to, uh, long, long ages. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned the handicapping, mentioned the media picks. A lot of variety in the media picks this year, so I would encourage people to to check that out. Um, if you like a horse, you, you're probably going to find somebody else who who likes them too. We we got a lot of different a lot of different picks this year. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned the long shots. I'm going to be highlighting five long shots, uh, horses of twenty to one or longer, that I like for those exotic bets. That should be a uh, I'm guessing probably tomorrow morning, Friday morning, maybe maybe later tonight, maybe maybe, maybe seven or eight uh, Thursday night, um, and then kind of I'm also going to run down all the long shots in the field and maybe why why I don't like them, uh, the ones that don't make that top five, uh, and then you know we got a kind of a fun story I think is going up Friday morning about just how much it costs to. To buy a Kentucky Derby horse, obviously you don't know what you're buying when you make that purchase. A lot of these uh, horses were bought as yearlings long before they ever saw a racetrack. Um, and I know you wrote about Mandy Pope and Tappet Trice earlier this week. Uh, an interesting story there, and and uh, someone who has not been shy about uh, yeah. dishing out seven figures for uh, for race horses in the or eight in one case uh, in in the past. Um, so, so that, that's an interesting story, your story that I would encourage people to check out. And then Friday morning we'll have what every horse in this field, uh, cost when, when they went to auction, uh, again, most of them is yearlings. Most of them actually at the Keeneland September yearling sale in 2021. So that's kind of a a fun local angle is that, you know, more than half the horses in this field, uh, were, were, were at that auction when they were just a year old. Um, and, and obviously now they're all going to be on the same track, uh, Saturday. And then we'll, you know, we'll have a couple other fun little things, um, you know, leading up to the race. And then, uh, you and I usually kind of team up, uh, I think starting Friday afternoon with the, the current odds. So I would, I would encourage people to, uh, that usually goes up about four or five o'clock on Friday. Um, you know, just those odds shift a lot at the beginning. And while obviously, uh, most of the money comes in Saturday, it, it the Friday is usually a pretty good snapshot of where things stand. Um, I wouldn't be surprised for instance, if, you know, based on, uh, the, the gray angle, uh, the angle of him looking great the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if Tappa kind of rivaled Forte for that favorite status as we get closer to post time Saturday. And, and we'll see in those first few hours, uh, of, of betting Friday, uh, of if it's moving in that direction,
0: yeah. Talking to people the, at, at Churchill when I was there Monday for the draw, and I was at the track on Wednesday morning, there's a lot of people that think Tampa Trice is going to end up being the post time favorite uh, when we get there on Saturday. Uh, well, be sure and follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Roberts HL. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Clay at John Clay IV. Uh, well, as Ben mentioned, we'll be updating the odds starting Friday all through Saturday, so uh, look for that as well, Ben. Th- Thanks for being on the podcast, and have a great Derby Day, and I'll see you at Churchill on Saturday. All right.
1: Sounds great, John. Thank you.
0: Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks to Ben Roberts. Follow him on Twitter at BenRobertsHL. Thanks to everybody for listening, and he supports the podcast. Be sure and go to Kentucky.com on Saturday or leading up to Saturday, Saturday, and after the race for all of our coverage on the Kentucky Derby. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.